Should you start a podcast? You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Your voiceover demos are your number one marketing tool, and you need to display them on your website in a way that works on any device or browser. VoiceSam is the player producers love. Plus, it offers tools that can improve your email signature, quickly create a one-page website, and much more. Sign up now at voicesam.com slash markscott and get three months of the bass player for the price of one. That's voicesam.com slash markscott for full details and to sign up. The VOpreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur. Hello, and welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur, and you know how this works. You know what my mission is. I make it clear every week. I'm here to give you actionable, practical advice, stuff that you can put to work today in your voiceover business to help you start growing. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, and particularly if you're enjoying this new series of interviews, I'd love to know about it because I want to make sure that I'm always providing the content that you want to hear. So please take a minute to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening to the Everyday Vopreneur podcast. And while you're listening, would you do me a favor and tag me in your Instagram stories? At Mark Scott. I'll throw it into the show notes, but I'd love it if you would tag me and let me know that you are listening as well. I've got a good one for you this week. Since uh, we're listening to a podcast, I thought, hey, why not talk about podcasting? Audio has become an ever-increasing medium for marketers who are looking to get their message out there, for brands who are looking to create awareness. And it seems like a natural fit for the voice actor to get into audio. But there's a lot more that goes into starting a podcast than just simply recording an episode and getting it online. And so to help you explore some of those waters and to get some really unique perspectives, I decided to reach out to a voice actor who has started her own very successful podcast. And I think that her approach is one that you should pay attention to. So if you've ever thought about starting a podcast, don't do it. It's actually way more work than you can ever realize. Now, that said... I will acknowledge that there can be a major upside to it. And my guest today is someone who has used her podcast as a powerful marketing tool. She's an actor, producer, creative director, and voiceover artist who has worked on television campaigns, films, and documentaries for the BBC, Sky, Discovery, and ITV. I feel so unworthy right now. And she's combined her love of voiceover with her network and skills from being on the other side of the mic, so to speak, to produce a podcast titled Talking Creative... The Art of Voiceover Directing. Welcome to the show, Samantha Boffin. Oh, hello, Mark. <laughs> Lovely to be here. That is like, that's a pretty impressive credit list. My credit list is like, he worked in radio for a while and then got canned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, it was mainly because in the middle of my BBC career, they kind of sold us off so we could do lots more commercial stuff. And then they brought us back into the BBC. So I had all the benefits of working for all the commercial stations and then also all the kudos of working for the Beep. So it, that, that's pretty much how it worked. <laughs> all throughout this episode, I'm going to be sending you subtle cues to hire me for voiceover for campaigns and films and documentary <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. 
So the byline for your podcast is helping you find, prep, and direct the perfect voice artists for your projects so you can get the most from every single booking. And I love that because you've nailed down a very specific value proposition. You've identified a very targeted audience that you want to serve. And now you've just built this incredible content generating machine around that. And that's pretty awesome. Is it working? It is actually, yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been amazing because I, I put it off and put it off because I kept thinking, oh dear, does anybody really want to hear this stuff? Have I got enough to talk about? And then what, right at the beginning, I sort of scoped it out and thought, yeah, yeah, there's loads there. So that I, I was kind of fairly confident that that would be okay. But then once I launched it, it's been kind of twofold because on the one hand, it's got me chatting to people. It's a really good way in. Instead of saying, <laughs> phoning people up and saying, hi, book me, I'm phoning people up and saying, would you like to be on the podcast? So it's a really nice way in. I've met a lot of people that I wouldn't otherwise, it wouldn't have otherwise been so easy to meet. And also, other people are interested in the content. So they are sharing it and it's getting quite a wide listenership. So it's been really, really good for me, actually. And even just raising my profile within my industry as a voiceover, it's been great. It's interesting to hear you say that your struggle in the beginning was, does anybody want to hear this, right? <laughs> just what the world needs, another voiceover-related podcast, right? Those were like <laughs> literally my exact excuses for why I wasn't starting a podcast and why I procrastinated on it for years. And it, it is just, it's evidence of how frequently we just get in our own way with stupid excuses. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. talk to me about how did you end up choosing the podcast medium? There's a lot of different options that are out there for content creation, blogging and videos and Instagram and all of these different things. So what, what brought you to the podcast medium? Okay, so I, I flirted a bit with the, with the written word, with blogging. It's actually, I found it more time consuming. And um, the obvious thing for me was to use my voice. Again, I thought of doing video, but actually video is a lot more complex. I was all set up to do voice work. And then about, I've been thinking about the podcast, either a podcast slash blog for ages. And then I went to the One Voice conference in London last year, which was actually about 18 months ago. And I opted to do a blogging course with Paul Strickwerder, who is, I don't know if you know Paul, but he's a big um, blogger in the voiceover industry. Everybody knows Paul. Everybody knows but Paul. Literally. Exactly. Like, Everybody. It, he's like, <laughs> there's like a handful of people, like if you're in voiceover, you know Joe Cipriano, you know J. Michael Collins, you know Paul. That's just, th those are like the <laughs> rules of the industry, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and he, so I met Paul and Paul did this fantastic job of chatting to us all about Obviously, it was a blogging seminar, you know, blogging workshop, three hours of, um, in fact, it might have been even longer than that, but it was all about blogging. And as it was going along, I was thinking, God, all of this stuff could translate into the sort of way I want to engage people in terms of podcasting, because I've been thinking about the podcast on the back burner. And I thought, no, this is, I took everything that he taught me on that course. And within, I think it was probably two or three months I had got going with the podcast. And I, I was really pleased about that because it, it really had been kind of buzzing away in my head for ages. I kind of knew what I wanted to call it. I didn't have any artwork or anything like that. And I, I hadn't really sort of scoped out exactly what I wanted to say and what I wanted to talk about. But his way of looking at how you batch up content or how you look at content. And also, it, what, one of the things he did was he, he sort of gave me permission to 
really do my thing. And I'd been so worried about was I going to fit in with anything. And I suddenly thought, well, actually, it's not about fitting in. In fact, it's, it's anything but fitting in. It's taking the skills that you have. In my case, it happened to be both sides of the mic and translating them into something that people wanted to listen to. If you're going to have a mentor when it comes to any kind of content creation, I mean, learning from Paul obviously <laughs> is is the way to go. One of the things that you said that I think is, I mean, it's valid, is audio makes sense for a voice actor because, in essence, every episode becomes an audition, right? Every yeah. single person that listens to your episode, doesn't matter whether they're a voice actor, a voice buyer, you know, whichever side of the table they sit on, it's still somebody that's hearing you, that's hearing your voice, that's hearing how you speak. It, it doesn't get any more conversational than this, which is what the whole world wants right now. So yeah. there's certainly that upside to it as well. But I love that you sat in on this class with Paul because I'm sure that you can attest to the fact that doing a podcast is not just a matter of walking into the booth and hitting record and starting to talk. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. And I, no. I think that's a misconception. I think that a lot of voice actors, they start this thinking it's going to be really, really easy and all I got to do is just go and push the button or whatever. And there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes to to make a podcast I should say anybody can just walk into the booth and push record and, you know, have a podcast, but it's probably just not going to be that good of a podcast. If you want to create yeah. an engaging podcast that people actually want to listen to, there's a lot more that goes into it behind the scenes. Yeah, definitely. This particular podcast is all about actually being inspired or learning stuff. And so you've got to be sure if you're the person that's, you know, standing there saying, yes, I can teach you this or I can I can discuss this or I can get people in and ask the right questions. If you've put yourself in that position, you've got to make sure that your content actually works because, and so it does, it takes a huge amount of time to scope it out, scope out each individual episode, even the short ones, you know, and I, I do quite a few little tiny, you know, sort of one hot thing ones. And even those take quite a bit of time to think up, but the longer ones, they take up a lot of time and, and, and quite a lot of research as well. Even if you're interviewing somebody, you've got to do all the research on them. You've got to do You've got to come up with ideas in terms of the sort of questions that you're going to ask and how that whole podcast episode, the shape of that whole podcast episode, because you you want your listener to take out certain things from it. You want them to go away either inspired or you want them to go away with a bunch of information or, you, you know, you there's a point to every single episode and you've got to be sure that you're delivering that. Asking the right questions was the part that made me the most nervous when it came to interviewing. And it's why for so long I did not do an interview format for the podcast because I recognize that it is not easy. And, and I listen to uh, Tim Ferriss a lot. For anybody that's ever listened to Tim Ferriss's podcast, I think he's a brilliant interview. And yeah, if, yeah. if he has a two-hour episode, he only talks for about 10 minutes in that two-hour episode. And the reason why he doesn't have to say anything is because he just asks really good questions. And yeah. then his guests just kind of go off and 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 do their thing. So that is absolutely a, a big part of it is being able to ask those right questions and and knowing, you know, what the objective of of every episode is. So yes. a lot of podcasts hosted by voice actors have a, a similar format and concept. Interview other voice actors, learn about them, learn about their stories. Talk to us about the value proposition of your podcast. How did you come up with the concept for talking creative? Well, I had been both a voiceover but a voice director for many years and I was invariably working with 
voices who were pretty much at the top of their game. So the kind of people that we had in for promotions at the BBC were either named talent and quite big names at that, or they were really established animation voices or really established voiceovers from big agencies in London. So they were really good. And we were used to directing them in the very small niche that I worked in. And that was great. Then when I went out as a voiceover and connected with all sorts of different directors from all sorts of different backgrounds, I became really aware that so many people don't really know how to work with voices. They don't know how to prep for a session. They don't know how to find the right voices. They are not 100% on how to get the right performances out of the voices. And when I say performances, I mean any sort of performance. So be it a narration or an audio drama or a gaming script. They, they're not sure, they're not confident on what they're going to do. And so I realised there was this kind of big gulf between what they were able to do and what they were expected to do, if you see what I mean. Because often voiceover directing is part of somebody's job. It's not necessarily the whole job. Now, of course, there are some extraordinarily good voiceover directors out there. And often it's because that is their pretty much their job. And they do that, you know, 95% of the time. But for those people that are, are doing it only part of the time, they've never really been taught it. They maybe haven't watched other people doing it. So they're going in blind. So they're nervous. I found them nervous to ask me to do things, nervous to, you know, get me to experiment in a session. They didn't really know how to set up sessions. They didn't know what to do with me. And I thought, there's something here. And there, there, is, there is something here that I have got expertise in that I can share with all those people out there. And of course, the more recorded content there is out there and it's expanding and expanding and expanding all the time at the moment particularly well not just in the podcast world but everywhere everybody wants videos or recorded sound so there was this huge amount of scope for me to actually share all the stuff I'd learned from 20 odd years working in that field there's a massive perspective shift that needs to happen as a result of something that you just said and I want to highlight it because I want everybody listening to catch it. We've all been in a horrible directed session where it was very obvious that the client had no idea what they wanted or they knew what they wanted, but they didn't know how to ask for it. And we get frustrated. And a directed session that should have took five minutes ends up taking 45 minutes and, and we're just annoyed or, you know, voice actors are like, oh, I need to get paid more for this or whatever. We've all been in those sessions. Yeah. And and what you just said is really interesting because we get frustrated thinking that it's, you know, it's they don't know what they're doing. This is so stupid, blah, 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 blah. But we've probably never considered the fact that maybe they've just never been taught in their role how to get what they need or how to ask for what they need. So it's 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 one of those things where, I mean, if you're in that position, should you know how to do your job? Yeah, but maybe we can have a little bit more patience, a little bit more tolerance a little bit more empathy for somebody who's in a role that maybe they're just not 100% sure how to perform. And that's where our professionalism comes into the mix, you know? Well, what if yeah. we did it like this? Or what if I tried it like that? Or, you know, you know what I'm saying? 
I do. And there's also the fact that they have got so many other pressures that we are not aware of as voices. Mm -hmm. And that was another aspect that I could bring into this because working as I did, I knew how many other people were behind me making decisions, a marketing team, a program maker or a team of program makers, you know, and and the head of my department, my boss, his boss, her boss. You know, there, there was there were all kinds of people that had a stake in that end product. Mm-hmm. And all of those directors that are out there that are directing you have all of those problems. They've got all sorts of people that they're trying to please a lot of the time. And so having an insight as well into what their day might be like and why their script is only finished at the last minute is a really valuable thing to understand from a voiceover's perspective. So they have enough problems already that they don't need us to become another one. And I mean, I've been in those sessions where they've asked for 47 takes and I just keep saying, yeah, whatever you need. Yeah, whatever you need. Yeah, whatever you need. And I know when they're when the session is done. I know they're going to go back and use the one of the first three. Yeah. But if that's what they want to do, if they want me to sit there and give them 47 because they're trying to figure it out, I mean, whatever. I just, I, I try to play along. But it's it's interesting to hear you say it. So, I mean, really the, the moral of this entire, this entire train of thought is if we as a voiceover community would just get all of our clients to listen to your podcast <laughs> and then they can learn how to properly direct us, then we, we really solve all the problems is basically what it comes down to. <laughs> that, yeah, kind of. Yes. I mean, I, I've got... <laughs> the thing is, is and that, that was the other thing is that I realized that whilst there were a lot of things that I knew how to do myself, there was a whole hu- there was a huge amount of stuff that I obviously I don't have expertise in, but I know enough to ask the right questions. So that was the idea behind getting different directors in or people that could inform the listeners how to do something that I really wasn't that familiar with. And so that's been great. That's been great for me. I've been a very steep learning curve for me in certain areas and researching it in the first place, but then actually having to ask the right questions. So it's been fascinating for me. That brings me to my next question, which actually ties in perfectly to this. So you, you've taken this interview format of the podcast and the way that I see it, and I see it this way because I heard another podcast host present it this way, you're basically setting yourself up for for coaching sessions with people who are experts in their field. Like that's kind of what it feels like, right? You get to talk to these people, you get to learn from these people, but rather than you know paying them, an hour, $1,000 an hour, $2,500 an hour, whatever some of these people charge, you're you're getting to have a a coaching session with them, basically. So who are some of the people that you've had an opportunity to interview that you felt like you really, like this, what I learned from this person or this thing that they said was absolutely amazing? What what are some of the highlights from your your episodes? Well, I think, um, I mean, I, when I interviewed Tanya Rich, who is a UK-based, well, she's a UK-based voiceover, but she's also a a coach as well. I found out all sorts of things about her that I didn't know. She coached me anyway, but I I had no idea about the scope of what she knew and her background. She was fascinating. And Sean Pratt as well, who uh, obviously is a big audiobook narrator, he was was fascinating both on, you know, and off mic. He was really interesting. And I found out so much stuff. Uh, about how to approach audiobooks and the, you know, how he got started in them, which is really valuable stuff, actually, for both narrators and 
producers of audiobooks. So they were really fascinating. And um, Eleanor Hamilton, I'm actually just about to release her podcast. She's e-learning. And again, a, a really niche, fascinating subject. And I have learned so much from these. I mean, the interesting thing is, is, of course, they don't give away all their secrets. Right. That's not what they're there for. But yep. in, in many ways, it's great for me because I'm asking them from a voiceover director's point of view. So they're, they're much more comfortable with that. So then they're not, you know, they're, they're not there to give away their coaching secrets, say, if they're coaches. But they are there to give an insight into why it's so valuable for voiceovers to have the sort of coaching that they offer. Absolutely. And, you know, this is one of the things for me, like I've been doing the podcast, I'm 120 some odd episodes into the podcast now, and most of them have just been me basically, they're basically coaching sessions, right? Mm -hmm. But I got to a point where I'm like, I don't know how much more I have to offer. Like I've kind of said a lot of what I, I need to say. So let me bring in some other people and hear what they have to say. And I'm only a few interviews in and I have learned something in every single one of those interviews just by talking to everyday VOs that are just maybe doing things a little bit differently than I do or have a different yeah. approach or have a different perspective. And I love that. I love being able to hear that. And, and I love being able to learn from them and getting exposed to different ways of doing things, because sometimes it's really easy to get stuck in a, a creative rut of, you know, the same old thing every single day. You know, you approach yeah. every audition the same or you approach every session the same. And sometimes just hearing how somebody else does it or how somebody else approaches it, I'm sure it can be very eye-opening. It is. And, and what I found, which was what I was really hoping for, is that what concerned me was that if I was going to look at every genre in voiceover, if I was going to look at e-learning and IVR and audiobooks and audio drama and narration, the whole if I was going to look at the whole gamut, well, surely the listeners weren't necessarily going to be interested in all of that. But of course, there are lessons that can be learned from all of those genres that you can bring in to give life to your particular area. And that was kind of what I was hoping for. That's what, was, that's what I believe deep down, that the gaming world, for instance, would be able to have qualities in it that would be able to inform and bring to life the corporate world and vice versa. So, and it, it is exactly that. I mean, the information that I'm getting is different in, but it's it's fascinating because it means that it, it takes you out of what you normally do and think, well, okay, so there's a different way of looking at this. I could maybe bring that idea in or that idea in and make a real difference. I don't have to do it all the, the same way that I've always done it. It's getting out of the echo chamber, right? I'm listening to, yeah. as I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking about that that concept of the echo chamber that we get stuck in not just in voiceover, in so many areas of our, our personal lives and in our business, you know, we only listen to one theory or one concept or we only yep. focus on one approach or whatever. And when we get stuck in that echo chamber, we find arguments or we find people who can back up our theory or our belief and we never get exposed to anything new. So yeah. who would ever think that a video game coach would have something to offer when it comes to how you approach a, a corporate narration? Nobody would ever think that. So nobody would ever, you know, they'd never explore that possibility. But here you are telling us, yeah. oh, yeah, there's there's insights, there's perspectives, there's there's things yeah. that you can learn. Yeah, no, it is. It, that's absolutely fascinating. That that was a thing that concerned me, as I say at the beginning. Would everybody be interested in all the genres? But actually, I think there's stuff to be learned across the board. And 
for me, because I was really curious about all of these different aspects, because right at the beginning, when I went into being a voiceover, having come from, as I say, quite a niche part of the industry, and I realised that it really was a niche part of the industry, that there was this enormous industry out there that I knew little about, but it was related to what I did, but I didn't, I didn't know about it in depth. I kind of set about learning about it all, and I found it absolutely fascinating. And and I wanted to bring that enthusiasm into this because that curiosity that I brought to it, well, I hope it comes across in the in the podcast because I'm genuinely curious about all these things and, and I'm anxious to learn. And I kind of thought, well, if I'm if I'm like that, maybe there are loads of other people who are obsessed with audio who are who are equally keen to find out about it. Absolutely. That's and that's the thing, right? You're not the only one. Sometimes it feels like you're the only one that would be interested, but there's an audience out there for it. Yeah. So when voice actors create voiceover podcasts for an audience of other voice actors, in my opinion, it becomes less of a marketing tool. And mm-hmm. for some podcasters, that's perfectly okay because they're doing it for an entirely different reason or they've got an entirely different uh, purpose for it. But when you create a podcast for an audience of voiceover buyers, I- I'm assuming that that opens up the door potentially to opportunity. Has that been your experience? Can you say as a result of doing this podcast and having conversations with these kind of people at this point, has it resulted in bookings or even at the very least in expanding your network of potential opportunity? It has. Yeah, no, it definitely has. I mean, it's led to actual bookings. I know that. And it's led to it's led to my credibility, if you like, yeah. as a voiceover. So that's been really useful. And and using it as a marketing tool. And, and that's the other thing is you, it would be such a shame if I just made them and didn't tell anybody I was making them. Yep. So it was a really conscious decision. So I, I market them wherever I can. And I mainly market, it's true. I mainly use LinkedIn as my platform that I tend to go to, but I've mentioned them many times on Instagram and mentioned them on Facebook and just mentioned them in passing to people that I meet as well. And that continual marketing means that I get in front of a lot of different people mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And it always gives me something to talk about. It always gives me a subject to be looking at and talking about that isn't just about me and what I do in voiceover. It's about other things. It's outward looking as opposed to inward looking. One of the things that I love about what I've been able to accomplish with my podcast is it's given me a resource library. So. Yeah voice actors come to me with certain questions that they want answered and lots of times they're the same questions and now I can just say oh listen to this episode of the podcaster listen to this episode of the podcaster check out that episode of the podcast so you're creating a a resource library for yourself as well now I know you said that you you market primarily on LinkedIn and I know this is going to sound terrible because I'm the marketing guy I am not always doing a great job of marketing my podcast. And it's something that I've recognized that I need to get better at. And I think it's just because I have, I'm, I'm pulled in a thousand different directions. And I'm like, as long as I send out an email and I, you know, post a thing on, on social media somewhere, you know, people will listen, it'll be fine or whatever. Talk to me about some of the specific strategies that you're using. Are you, are you just saying, Hey, go listen to the podcast? Are you repurposing parts of the podcast? What are some of the strategies that you're using to put it out there? So I usually, there's usually, uh, when I scope out, 
I scope it out probably two or three months ahead. That's not to say that's not flexible, but it is two or three months ahead. I look ahead and I think, what am I going to do? And I usually look at what's happening in the world. So it's no surprise that today, or later today, I should be releasing a podcast about e-learning because this is the time of year, we're in September now, this is the time of year where e-learning is more current. It's, it's, it's the sort of thing, everybody's going back to school, we're all talking about learning and how to learn online in this instance. And so I, I recorded that months ago, but I've kept it and kept it and kept it because I thought, well, it's, it's going to be a shame to use it in August when nobody's really thinking about e-learning, they're thinking about holidays. So I've, I've kept it there, ready to go. And there are other things. I tend to link stuff to stuff that is happening in the next few months. So there'll be stuff about, well, I know there are going to be things about ghost stories, say. No, mm-hmm. no, uh, yeah. <laughs> no surprise yep. about guessing when that's going to go out. And there's stuff around Christmas. And, and actually, but I'm putting out the stuff about Christmas before Christmas, quite some time before Christmas, because actually the directors out there are thinking about Christmas now. Actually, Those, those auditions are already that. out there. Absolutely. So they need to, if I'm going to give information out there that is useful to them, I've got to not only think what is going to be happening in a few months' time, but whether I need to bring that forward because they're going to want to hear about that before that time comes. So it gives me a reason to talk about it and talk about it now, which then gives me a reason not to just say, oh, here's the latest episode, but it says I can find a neat way into it when I'm talking about it on social media. So I can say, you know, oh gosh, everyone's going back to school now. And so I thought we could have a look at, you know, e-learning or whatever. I think that's quite important to be aware that it's not just about talking about it, it's when you're talking about it. So that's given me a lot of opportunities to repurpose it as well. So there's the main, you know, marketing bit about this is the latest podcast that's coming out. Then I take things and I make them into, well, now, I used to do this at the beginning. I used to make things into audiograms. Now, audiograms didn't work particularly well for me, actually. I don't know why. Maybe I was doing them wrong, but they didn't necessarily translate in the way that I thought they would. So there's been a lot of experimentation in terms of how I promote the podcast and how I promote it on different platforms. Very different. Different platforms respond to different things. 100%. That is a key point that everybody needs to pay attention to. And the fact that, hey, there's a lot of experimentation that goes into all of this, right? Even I try stuff all the time that just falls flat. And then something that I did that I took a flyer on ends up being like the winning strategy. But what I love is you're really explaining and really outlining how much strategic planning actually goes into this. And I want everybody to pay attention to that because... There is a massive upside to podcasts, but if you think that it's just this easy marketing tool that you can create, (laughs) it is so not true. And in fact, again, full disclosure, so Sam and I are are in a mastermind together, and (laughs) one of the things that I have talked about in the past for my podcast, I'm that guy that goes into the studio on Wednesday night to record the episode that drops the next morning, Thursday morning. I've, I've always been that guy. Since I was in like public school, like elementary school, I was that guy that was at like one o'clock in the morning writing the essay that had to be handed in the next day at school. So I've, I've always been that guy, but I've always felt really guilty about it. And it was actually Sam and, and talking to her about how 
well organized she was with her podcast, I felt the conviction deep inside of me, so <laughs> deep inside of me. And so I am happy to say that as we are recording this interview right now, I am four weeks ahead on my podcast. And it is all, I give you all the credit for that because I see the importance. I, I've always known that the value was there in planning out and, and getting ahead. I just didn't always kick myself in the butt to do it. And so I, I give you I give you credit for that. Well, thank you. But it is a bit smoke and mirrors because although I've got the subjects headings, I've got them all full done. There is quite quite often I get to that week or a day or two before or even the night before myself and think, oh, God, I've got to do an episode on X, Y, Z tomorrow. I said I was going to do it. I know kind of what I'm going to say, but I haven't actually researched it or done it. So I too am very, very guilty of that. But what's good about it is that I do I do have the subject headings at least, although they do flex sometimes, they do change. But when you're doing, you've probably found this, but if you're doing interviews, you have to get them in beforehand. You have to have pre-recorded them. Yep. The problem with solo episodes, which is a lot of what I do as well. Is that it's really that, easy to just wing it. <laughs> it really is. And sometimes, sometimes it's been good because sometimes I've picked up on stuff that is really current because of it. Yes, um, and 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 that's been a really good outcome. That was me last spring when COVID was unfolding and everything was starting to go nuts. I mean, I did probably four weeks or five weeks of episodes that were just strictly COVID episodes of what's happening right now and how is this going to affect the voiceover industry? And, and, you know, so I was able to kind of live in that moment. But I also know the last week of August, I was on vacation and I sat down and I looked at the calendar and I'm like, okay, I need 12 episodes to get me through to the end of the year. And by the time my week of vacation was over, I had a fully mapped out strategy for, I think, 10. Yeah. And that felt really good. Yeah. But I wouldn't have done that if it hadn't been for the conviction that I felt from listening to you talk about how strategic <laughs> and organized you were. Yeah, it's a, it's a, um, I'm strategic in theory, I suspect. But yes, I, I know exactly what you mean. It, it, and it also helps, I think, if you are really interested in your subjects. And yeah. that would be the one thing that if anybody is thinking of starting a podcast... Because in many ways, it doesn't really matter what the podcast is about as long as you really love your subject. Because, you know, there are many, many times where, frankly, I don't want to make, I, well, not so much I don't want to make the, the episode, but I'm really up against it with other work and I know I've got to do it and I've got to get it out there. And if I didn't have a real kind of passion for the subject matter, then it would become a bit of a drag quite quickly. For sure. Which is why I think a lot of people do give up after, I think, 14 episodes or something. Somebody said is that kind of a lot of a lot of podcasts get to about 12 or 14 episodes and then nobody ever makes another one. Oh, my uh, gosh. That, that, <laughs> I think I think we're I think this is episode 125 <laughs> for me. So I'm good to go then. I, we exactly. should be fine. You're, you're way on past that. But but exactly. So I and I think that really I don't think it matters what you want to talk about as long as you've got a lot to say about it and you're really interested in it. So. This is going to be a fun question. I'm I'm looking forward to this one because I'm curious to hear what your experience was, kind of maybe even if how it relates to what my experience was. <laughs> Everybody knows now from this episode, they know that there is absolutely value in starting a podcast. They know that there is 
uh, you know, strategic intention that should go into it, you know, choosing the right audience. You've already said that you can credit your podcast with booking you work, which yeah. is going to make more people want to explore the possibility of, of getting into this genre. So in the process of developing and launching your podcast, were there any hard lessons you learned from mistakes that you made, challenges that you underestimated, hiccups that came along in the journey? What what were some of the things that were like, oh, crap, this is way harder than I thought. Maybe I should just not do this. Or did you have those moments? <laughs> I did. I did. I, I had a real, um, I, I remember being really stuck on what to call it, which sounds ridiculous now looking back. And I'm really pleased that I came up with the one, you know, Talking Creative is has been a really good title for me. But I came up with all sorts. My favorite one was going to be, and I, and I had the artwork scoped out. I had everything. And it was a really weird title. And it was called The Gun in My Hand is Loaded. And I, that's what I wanted to call it. <laughs> I, I think I it's a good thing that we didn't go that, that it's, route. <laughs> it's a good way. But the reason I wanted to call it that was because I had an interview with an audio drama director called Dirk Mags. Now, Dirk Mags is pretty big in the industry. I mean, huge in the industry. And he's just finished The Sandman with Neil Gaiman. He's, he's done some fantastic, incredible audio dramas. And Dirk said this to me within the context of how you create audio dramas. And, and the reason was, he said, what you do in an audio drama is you, the, the worst thing you can say is get a character to say, the gun in my hand is loaded. What you need to do is make it clear from the click, from the positioning, from the breath, from what's happening in the scene that the gun in that guy's hand is loaded. Mm -hmm. It's clunky to say it out loud and make yep. it part of the dialogue, which was absolutely right. And I thought, God, that's an amazing, you know, um, <laughs> that's just a brilliant term. It's just a great little phrase. But of course, it was far too unwieldy for a podcast and I'd have had to explain it every single time I yes. ever talked to anybody about it. And it held me up for ages trying to find a good name that wasn't ploddy and that was creative. So that one was was creative at least. But you can go too far one way or the other. And that held me up for ages trying to find the right name. Oh, silly things, really, when I look back on it. Things like the artwork. Who cares, really, looking back? Who cares about the artwork? And 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 yeah, I think also just that imposter syndrome that kicks in for all of us in any capacity. And I think, gosh, really, who am I to do this? Who am I to make this podcast about this? Will people think I think I know it all? Because I definitely didn't know it all. And and so it was trying to it was trying to get the tone right in the first place that enabled me to say, look, I'm really interested in talking about this subject and I know a bit about it. I know a bit about it, well, enough for you to want to listen to me, but I really don't know everything. So please don't think I'm putting myself out there as some sort of big know-it-all. Right. And so they, they were all sorts of things that crowded in and prevented me from moving it on as quickly as I should have done or could have done. I kind of had a very clear vision of where I wanted to take the podcast. Where I was running into so many issues was getting the dang thing online and getting it submitted to all of the different feeds and trying to understand mm -hmm. the rules of you know, how to get it to Apple, how to get it to Spotify, how to get it. I'm still like just today, somebody actually tagged me in the, in an Instagram story and they were listening to the podcast on Google play and it's the wrong artwork. And I'm like, why is it oh, the no. wrong artwork? 
And so, I mean, I'm, I'm 125 episodes in and I'm still struggling with some of this stuff. Right. And I actually did. I, I made the decision very, like, right at the very beginning. I was going to hire somebody to do the initial launch for me because, yeah, I could have sat down and watched, you know, 25 hours of YouTube videos and figured out how to do it. But I, I ended up hiring a guy who, in an hour, had the podcast hosted and, like, sent out to every feed in the world. And I was like, oh, that was so completely worth it. But yeah, there, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle that you don't always think about. There are. And I did. I, you're absolutely right. I had to research a lot of that. And I was lucky enough. I'm in a, a content marketing membership that I've been in for ages, actually. And the person that runs it, uh, Janet Murray, who is a British content creator, basically, and she teaches content creation. And she, at the point that I was wanting to do the podcast, she rather usefully was doing a podcasting course as part of the membership. She does these courses all the time, different courses. And it just so happened that she was doing a podcast one at that point, And it was really good. So I, I was able to engage with that. And that's really what got me started. Because, of course, a lot of the things I knew about already, how to create good audio that wasn't the problem but you're absolutely right all the mechanics of actually getting it uploaded and you know which platform provider do I go with and all of those sort of things I followed her course it wasn't too long and it wasn't too dense and she was great it helps when you have that information that you can work along with because it's a lot to try to figure out so all right one more question I always like to make sure that there's some really actionable practical advice in every episode that people can take away and apply and I think we've already given them a ton. When I made the decision to start my podcast, and I've talked about this in earlier episodes, this is not a lie. It was literally like, you know what? This is stupid. I just need to do this dumb podcast. And I got up <laughs> off the couch and I came downstairs and I walked into the booth and just recorded an episode. Like it was that spontaneous. Yeah. I don't necessarily advise that that's the best way to go about it. And so... For anybody that's listening who's thinking, maybe I want to explore this podcast medium. Maybe there's there's something in here for me. What do you think are just a couple of the, you know, the first two or three steps that they should take as they're working their way on this journey rather than just the completely spontaneous and misguided approach that I took? <laughs> well, I think that so long as you've found the subject that you want to talk about. And to be honest, it could be anything. It could be shoes. It could be, you know, I, I, at one point I was going to do a podcast on vintage clothing because that's another passion of mine. And so long as you can find a passion that you're interested in exploring, we assume that that is a given. And then I think it's a question of, yeah, working out what you want to say for at least the first 10 episodes. There are some great funnily enough, podcasts out there on how to make podcasts. So those are really useful if you can find any of those. And they sort of take you through the first few steps. But I mean, it's it's working out what your first 10 episodes are going to be about. And then kind of thinking, well, actually, can I talk for and, and thinking, well, how long do I want it to be? Mm-hmm. Maybe 10 minutes. Yep. Maybe I want people to listen to it on their walk to work or you know, or in the bath or while they're cooking. How long is that? That's about 15 minutes. So can I talk for about 15 minutes on this subject and try it out? I mean, I have to say I didn't try it out, but I wish I kind of had really. And then you write down the bullet points. You write down what you want to say and really what you want in any given episode and what you want your audience, your listener to take away because it's all 
about them. It's really not about you. It's all about what you can give to them that is going to be something either actionable or inspiring or interesting for them. So what's the one call to action that you want from each individual episode? And I think that's really key to think about every time you're sitting down to scope out anything. What do you want your audience to feel at the end of this? And what do you want them to do? One of the things that I love that you said was, you know, it could be about shoes. Like if that's what you know and if that's what you're passionate about. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's one of the misconceptions is if we're going to do a podcast and we want it to be a tool for our voiceover business, it's got to be a voiceover podcast. And that's not actually the case. You get a podcast out there, you build an audience, you never know who's listening, right? Yeah. Do advertising agency executives wear shoes? Yes, yes, they do. Do do (laughs) e-learning instructional designers wear shoes? Yes, they do. So you never know who's listening. So even though the episode may not specifically be about voiceover, if somebody wants to find out more about you, find out more about your story, and then they find out that you're in voiceover, you know, Mm -hmm. you you still could have something that could come from that. So it's uh, having a plan, though, is absolutely key. Yeah, I think those steps you outlined is really good. Well, also, I think if you love it, if you enjoy your subject, you can bet your bottom dollar there'll be other people out there that enjoy it as well. But if you enjoy it, you're much more likely to share it as well with people and talk about it and say, oh, I've got a podcast on X, Y or Z. And then you will find your audience. And actually, I know that there, of course, there are podcasts out there that have tens of thousands of listeners. But if you've only got... 20 really engaged listeners, you're doing a great job Mm -hmm. because you're making a difference to those 20 people. And obviously we we want more than 20, but you know, the the point is, is that if you're making content that even quite a niche audience loves, that's a great thing to be able to do. Yep. hundred percent. You know, a hundred dedicated listeners is better than a thousand random passive listeners, right? Yeah. All right, I'm going to go uh, start mapping out my plans for a new podcast about <laughs> all about barbecue. I'm going to get working on that. <laughs> all right, Sam. So the podcast is called Talking Creative, The Art of Voiceover Directing. Tell us where we can find it. Well, you can find it on all the obvious platforms, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Play, any of the platforms. I think because I subscribe to a particular place that punches it out absolutely everywhere, you can find it. And also the, all the other thing, actually is I, it is on my website. And that has made a massive difference to my traffic on my website. And I think I've picked up clients because of that. They've gone there for the podcast and then seen that I'm a voiceover actor as well and kind of explored my website. I can see that because I can see the back end of my website and I can see how they got to me. Yep. What's the website address? It's samanthaboffin.co.uk. All right. So the episode or the podcast is Talking Creative, the Art of Voiceover Directing. And uh, I'll put that into the show notes, the website. I'll throw it all into the show notes. Sam, thank you so much for hanging out and offering some really, really brilliant insights. I'm a little bit worried now that everybody who thought about starting a podcast, now they're all going to go out and do it. And we've just created a whole bunch of competition for ourselves. (laughs) The fools that we are. Yes. (laughs) Thank Thank you so much, Sam. Oh, thank you, Mark. It was lovely. Thank you so much. I admit it. And I've said it in this podcast before that when I started the Everyday Vopreneur podcast, I had known for a while that it was something that I should do. I just hadn't got around to it. And when that first decision was finally made, I literally just walked into the studio and started winging it. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And, and while that was good for me to, to force me to move forward, 
it's probably not the best approach. And so I hope that you took a lot of notes on this because if you're thinking about creating a podcast, whether it's for voiceover or shoes, like Samantha talked about, there's a lot more that needs to go into it in order for it to be successful. And she gave you a lot of the keys to the kingdom, things that you need to take into consideration. So please take those things into consideration And I think that the podcast medium is one that is absolutely worth exploring. So if you have enjoyed this episode, if you picked up some great tips from Samantha, and I'm sure you did because she had so much to offer, I would love it if you would let us know that you were listening by tagging us in your Instagram stories. I am at Mark Scott and Samantha is at Samantha Boffin. I'm going to put those in the show notes for you so that you can look them up just to be on the safe side. But I'd love it if you would tag us in your Instagram story. Let us know that you are listening. Let us know that you enjoyed this episode. As always, subscribe so you never have to miss one of these episodes. You can do that wherever fine podcasts are given away for free, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Amazon Music. It's it's everywhere. And of course, you can check out the complete archive. We're up to 125 episodes now. And those are always available at vopreneur.com. That's vopreneur.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. Your voiceover demos are your number one marketing tool, and you need to display them on your website in a way that works on any device or browser. VoiceSam is the player producers love. Plus, it offers tools that can improve your email signature, quickly create a one-page website, and much more. Sign up now at VoiceSam.com slash MarkScott and get three months of the bass player for the price of one. That's VoiceSam.com slash MarkScott for full details and to sign up. And sing. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at vopreneur.com.